Chapter 6 of Innocencia, A Story of the Prairie Regions of Brazil. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Piotr Nater. Innocencia, A Story of the Prairie Regions of Brazil, by the Viscount of Taunay. Translated by James William Wells. Innocencia. After giving his explanations to Sirino, the Mineiro experienced a greater degree of confidence in his medical adviser, and consequently was more at ease in his mind. Then, said he, if you like, let us go at once and see our little invalid. With much pleasure, Sirino promptly replied, and leaving the room he accompanied Pereira, who proceeded by a roundabout way towards the back door of the house, and in order to do so he had to pass through two fences that shut off the rear portion of the premises from the front. Facing the back of the house, an orchard of magnificent orange trees, all heavily laden with bloom, perfumed the atmosphere with the scent of the white and odorous blossoms. This place, said the Mineira, pointing towards the orchard, is frequented every day by great numbers of blackbirds. Nocencia loves to hear the music of their songs, and her favorite place to do her sewing is to sit out here under the trees. Ah, she is a girl. Stopping for a moment on the threshold of the door, while a beaming expression of joy gleamed over his rubicund face, he continued, You cannot imagine. Sometimes that child will ask such questions that quite knock me over. We have a book in the house, one of the time of my defunct grandfather. Well, would you believe it, if she didn't actually ask me to teach her to read? What an idea, I. Eh? Then again, a short time ago, she told me that she wished she had been born a princess. I replied to her, But do you know what it is to be a princess? I know, she said, quite calmly, a young woman who is very good and very beautiful, who wears a crown of diamonds on her head, many jewels round her throat, and who governs all the men. I felt quite staggered. But if you could only see the way she has with the little bichos, birds and animals, you would think that she was talking to them and that they understood her. Any kind of animal on approaching the feet of Nocencia becomes as tame and docile as a newly-born calf. Ah, if I were to tell you all the stories about this girl, I should never stop. Let us enter. That is better. When Sirino entered the sleeping room of the daughter of the Mineiro, it was so dark that at his first glance about him he could only vaguely distinguish the forms of the various pieces of old-fashioned furniture and a large bedstead occupying a corner of the room, and on which some person reposed. Pereira called out for a light. The old negress Maria appeared with a candle when both men approached the side of the bed of the invalid who, hastily drawing over herself a thick coverlet of Mina's cotton, turned her gaze towards the newcomers. "'Here is the doctor,' said Pereira to her, "'who has come to cure thee, little one.' "'Good evening, Donna,' saluted Sirino. A gentle, timid voice murmured some unintelligible reply, and the medical adviser, seating himself on a stool by the bedside, proceeded to examine the pulse of the invalids. Despite the pallor of illness and the dim, flickering light of the candle, now placed on a bracket against the wall above her, it was easily seen that Innocencia was really dazzlingly, bewilderingly beautiful. Her face was Madonna-like in its form and sweet expression, such an one as the old masters loved to depict for their saints and Virgin Marys. It was grave and expressive, but without their sadness, 
and perfect in its oval outline. Her brow, white, broad, and open, her eyebrows long and pencilled, while the large, half-closed eyelids were fringed with lashes so long that they shadowed the graceful contour of her cheeks. Her nose was delicate in form and slightly aquiline, and the pearly gleams of her teeth were revealed by the partly opened lips of the beautiful little mouth. From under the sheet of cotton, which enveloped her head like a hood, a few massive locks of raven-black hair here and there strayed in luxurious abandonment. As she withdrew her arm from under the coverings, the embroidered garment in which she was clad became disarranged, and exposed to view a glimpse of a neck of alabaster whiteness. Abundant reason, therefore, had Serino to suddenly feel his hand become cold and somewhat tremulous as he endeavoured to examine the pulse of so gentle a patient. "'Well, then?' inquired the father. "'There is not the least fever now,' the youth replied, but with his eyes riveted in manifest surprise upon the face of Innocencia. "'And what is to be done?' to take at once a sudorific of an infusion of the leaves of the bitter orange, and see if we can establish a free transpiration. Then, at midnight, you must call me, and I will give the donna a dose of quinine. The young woman raised her eyes and gazed attentively at Sirino, as she listened to the directions which should restore her to health. She has not the least appetite, observed the father, for nearly three days she has lived only on liquids, and the fever is so constant that it does not look like ague. Never mind, replied the young man, tomorrow the fever will leave her, and a week hence your daughter will be on her feet for certain. It is I who guarantee it. Deus speaks with your tongue, cried Pereira joyously. Her color will soon return, continued Serino. Innocencia flushed slightly and turned her face to the pillow. Why do you fold this sheet about you? the young man inquired, as he pointed to her wrapped-up head. "'For nothing,' she timidly replied. "'Do you feel any headache?' "'No, no.' "'No, sir.' "'Well, then, remove the wrapper. It is always well to keep the head cool, and also unplait your hair. Let it be all loose.' Pereira carried out the directions, and soon the pale face of the invalid was framed in a sweeping mass of luxuriant hair, black as the heart of the cabuna tree and so long that it would have reached to below her waist. It had been braided in plaits which twice encircled her head. It is also necessary, continued Serino, to have the room well aired day and night, and to place the bed in a line with the east and west. I will have it turned to-morrow, said the Mineiro. Good, but to-day, then, or better still at once, let her have the sudorific, and, for the present, close up all the doors and windows. At midnight, more or less, I will come and give the medicine. Calm your spirit, Donna, and pray to Ave Marias, in order that the keening may have its due effect. Nor sim. Yes, sir, lisped the invalid. The light does not pain your eyes? inquired Serino, approaching her, to steal one more glance at her face. No. That is a good sign. I believe that the attack will soon prove to be nothing serious and saluting his patient by saying, Until soon, little lady, he turned to Pereira and signified his readiness to depart. The latter beckoned to someone in a dark corner of the room. Tico, cried he, come here. At the call there came forward a curious specimen of humanity in the form of a little shriveled-up dwarf. 
Although his brow was furrowed with rugged wrinkles like those of an old man, the gleam of the bright eyes and the black hair showed that his age was not very far advanced. His little legs, somewhat bowed, terminated in great broad feet, which, without any serious alteration, might easily serve for those of some web-footed bird. This singular being was clad in a dark smock and trousers, the latter evidently having been built for an ordinary person, for the extremities had to be turned up, and so formed very voluminous rolls around his ankles. A roofless hat of palmito straw covered, or rather encircled, his head, and allowed a mass of tangled and knotted locks of hair to be seen. "'Ho, ho!' exclaimed Serino, on seeing this object enter with the rays of light. "'Truly this is only a part of somebody.' "'Now, don't you ridicule my Antonio,' replied Pereira with a smile. "'He is small, it is true, but what there is of him is good. Is not that so, my mannequin?' The little man grinned and showed rows of white pointed teeth, but the effect was more allied to a grimace than to a smile. At the same time he bestowed upon Sirino an inquisitive and penetrating glance. Translator's Note it is customary with some of the lower classes of Brazilian peasants to file their teeth, making them pointed. This fashion is derived from the aboriginal natives of the country. End of translator's note. You must know, doctor, continued Pereira, that this creature hears perfectly everything that is said. He understands all, but cannot speak. That is, he can pronounce one or two words, but at considerable trouble, and the effort makes him nearly burst with rage. When he attempts to explain something, it is just a gabble of six hundred sounds, and amidst all the hubbub you can only now and then distinguish some little Christian word. Why do you not cut his tongue? observed Sirino. Because there is none to cut, retorted Pereira. He was born without any. But he is a little devil who runs all over this sertão from end to end, and at any hour of the day or night. Is that not the truth, Tico? The dwarf nodded his head and glanced with an air of complacency at Sirino. But is he a son of any of your people here? Now, senor, his mother lives on the banks of the Rio Sucuriu, about a hundred and sixty miles from here, and he trots backwards and forwards from there to here in an instant, stopping a while at the houses on the way, where everyone knows him and receives him with pleasure, for he is a little bicho who would harm no one. He remains here too three or more weeks, and then will disappear as suddenly as a startled woodland deer and return to the home of his mother. He is a sort of little dog for Nocencia. Is it not so, Tico? The mute made an affirmative sign, and as he pointed towards the young woman, an expression of delight spread over the queer face. Pereira, after giving all these explanations, which the dwarf appeared to receive with satisfaction, observed, as he turned towards, or rather stooped over him, go you to the big corral and gather me a large handful of leaves of the bitter orange, those from the tree close to the gate. The little man showed by expressive gestures that he understood, and went away running. Serino was about leaving the room, though not without casting a last lingering glance at the place where reposed the invalid, when Pereira called him, Oh, doctor, Nocencia wants some water. Will it do her any harm? Have you any sweet limes here? he inquired. No end of them, and of the best. Then let your daughter have as many as she cares for. Pereira, having comfortably arranged the coverings of the girl, 
then joined Serino, who had stopped at the doorway to glance at the first stars of the night. "'Do you think, doctor,' inquired the Mineiro, in a somewhat tremulous voice, "'there is any danger from what that little angel suffers?' "'None, absolutely none,' responded Serino. "'You will see that two days hence your daughter will have nothing the matter with her. "'These fevers are cruel things. "'When they do not knock over a Christian, they often make him miserable for entire years.' I do not wish my daughter to become pallid nor ugly, for when young women are ill they are not attractive. Ah, I was forgetting, the sweet limes are wanted. Pereira stepped out into the yard, and placing his hands to his mouth, called in a loud voice, Oh, Tico! A prolonged cry responded at some distance. The Mineiro uttered a modulated whistle, an Indian method of signalling, and then called for the limes. There ensued a few moments of silence, after which the dwarf appeared running, and approaching Pereira, he showed by signs that he had not well heard the message. Some sweet limes immediately! Nocencia is thirsty! The dwarf flew away like an arrow, and quickly disappeared amidst the dark shadows of the orange trees. End of chapter 6